1: The other side of midnight. 77 Dunnies. 7 Local spotlight. Tomorrow everyone, this is the other side of midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Well, yesterday was a sad day for the Republican Party in New York State, but even worse, it was a sad day for democracy. On Tuesday, the Court of Appeals ruled in a 4 to 3 decision that the State Independent Redistricting Commission must redraw New York's congressional and state senate districts. The court ordered the redistricting Commission to submit new maps by February 28th and will not require it to hold any additional public hearings before submitting the new maps. Now, what's the big deal? Lines get redrawn all the time. Well, no, they don't. Generally, lines get redrawn every 10 years right after the census. The commission that was tasked with doing that in 2022 was not able to come up ...with a recommendation for a new map. So what happened? The state legislature, of which the Democrats are a supermajority in both houses... ...they drew their own maps, and surprise, surprise, it overwhelmingly benefited the Democrats. It was an illegal gerrymander, so the Republicans went to court... ...and the courts threw the maps out, and they had an independent arbiter draw some new maps... Well, Janet DiFiori, who, even though she was a registered Democrat, she was one of the more conservative members of the Court of Appeals, they found a way to get her off the Court of Appeals. Now, I'm not going to cast any value judgment on that, but they tried to replace her with a very competent judge named Hector LaSalle, the left wing and the mainstream Democrats in the state Senate, they torpedoed LaSalle's nomination and made sure a far left candidate got appointed and confirmed. And that's why this decision was four to three. This is a travesty. And the only thing that's more embarrassing than the decision itself and how it came about is that Democrats like state Senator Michael Gianaris are actually defending this. This is what the court should have said last year. If they thought the process was incomplete, they should have just ordered the commission to finish the job, not take it completely away and draw the lines themselves through a special master from another state. That was just an absurd outcome to begin with. I'm glad now that things are being made right. This is undemocratic, and this is going to result in maybe four, maybe five, maybe six Republicans being defeated for the House of Representatives next year. Politicians should not choose their constituents. Voters should choose their elected officials.
0: Beam me up. to be that's shopify.com slash system. The other side of midnight. W-
1: Local spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm superstar Frank Morano. On Monday... A seven-story residential building in the Morris Heights section of the Boogie Down Bronx partially collapsed. A corner of the 46-unit building on Billingsley Terrace spontaneously collapsed just before 4 p.m., pancaking on the bodega at the ground level below and prompting a massive search and rescue mission. Now, eyewitness photos and videos showed five units exposed with residents' beds, clothes, and personal belongings spilling out through the twisted metal. Now, can you imagine the indignity if that was your home, where you lived, if that was your apartment? Well, late on Monday, the fire department posted on Twitter that everyone inside the building had been evacuated, and the search for any potential victims was ongoing. Thank God, it does not appear that anyone died or was even seriously injured. But the building had raised red flags for years. It was deemed unsafe by an engineering firm hired by the owner in February of 2020. Now, what happens? You might think you are deemed unsafe. You should do something to get it safe. Well, that was just before COVID-19 struck, and required repairs were then put on hold due to the pandemic. That's according to the Department of Buildings. When an engineering firm returned to the site in March of 2021, nothing had been done. Nothing had been fixed. The conditions included vertical cracks at windowsills, loose and damaged mortar, cracks in the interior. Scaffolding was put in place and the owners were ordered to draft plans to bring the facade up to code, but they didn't do anything. The building's commissioner James Otto, who in the interest of full disclosure is a friend of mine, said the owners had recently submitted those plans. In early November, the building had also been cited by the city government for broken or deteriorated support stills and fined $2,400. The thing that's just amazing to me is this This is pandemic city incompetence, and this is pandemic, pandemic response. What do I mean by the latter? Well, how many other repairs that were urgently needed have been put off over the last three years because of the pandemic. What other building is waiting to erupt in flames because construction repairs that were supposed to be done during the shutdown just simply never got done? I think we need to demand that answer from city government. And whomever the next mayor is needs to make getting these buildings right a priority. It's not a sexy issue. It's not an issue that you'll instantly see a bump in your poll numbers, but it's important. And the Adams administration or whomever the next mayor is ought to make Make it a priority to be continued. The
0: other side of midnight. Local spotlight.
1: Well the New Jersey gubernatorial race has just gotten a bit more interesting. There was already one Democrat in the race, Jersey City Mayor Stephen Fulop. A lot of other Democrats rumored to be running, including Congressman Josh Gottheimer. Well, now a Democrat powerhouse from southern New Jersey who actually lost his reelection to the state Senate back in 2021 to a truck driver that spent no money has jumped into the race Former Democratic State Senate President Steve Sweeney announced yesterday he's jumping in to the gubernatorial race. Here's a little bit of his announcement. I was a union iron worker for years, up on the steel, constructing buildings around New Jersey. If you knew me, you might have thought of me as a tough guy. But when our baby Lauren was born prematurely with Down syndrome, it turned my world upside down. Then I learned how hard it can be to get services for people with special needs. That's what turned me into a public servant. Lauren was a spark. She brought out the very best of me. That's why I ran for public office, eventually becoming Senate President, serving everyone in New Jersey. It was interesting, in his 12 years, now make no mistake, Steve Sweeney is a tough guy. If you've ever shaken hands with him, you feel like uh, your hand is at risk of breaking. I've never seen a guy with uh, hands as big as he is. Maybe, Maybe Chuck Zito, that's the only other person. In his past 12 years as Senate President, he had a lot of policy accomplishments, but the one thing that he did not mention was overhauling public pensions. Something tells me that's because that's not something that would be as popular with a Democrat Democratic primary electorate. I'm eager to see where this goes. It's going to be very interesting because you have a North Jersey versus South Jersey battle here. They're going to tie Chris Christie around Steve Sweeney because Christie was a pretty powerful ally of Sweeney's when they both were governing together. And it would be a pretty remarkable political comeback if he's able to pull this off. A guy that couldn't even win re-election to the state Senate actually getting elected governor. I don't know where this goes, but I am eager to watch. Beam me up to be continued. The other side of midnight, local spotlight. Hey, I want to congratulate my friend Sid Rosenberg, who has been named by Barrett Media as the number two large market local morning show in the country by Barrett Media. I love the folks over at Barrett Media. It's become really a great trade publication. I find myself reading their email newsletter just about every day. They interviewed me recently. I had a very nice talk with them, and they uh, put out a very nice article. But uh, I do, well, first of all, there's two Things that I think are funny about this one, Sid texted everybody that's involved in the morning show. Lou Rafino, Noam laden myself, Curtis Lewa, other people that are frequent guests on the Sid and Friends in the Morning Show. And what Sid said was: Congratulations, we are number two by Barrett Media now i said now he was really just congratulating us so that it was an opportunity for him to tell us that he ranked so highly in this nationwide standing but i said in response oh thank you as if we really were the cause of why this show was so successful and i said and thank you for your help we couldn't have done it without you either And he got a big chuckle over that. Now, I can't understand how they were number two. I've heard Bill Handel's show at KFI. Nice guy, but the number one morning show in the country? Not by a long shot. Hey, if you're a fan of Sid Rosenberg or me, you have a chance to meet us on Thursday. Even more so, if you're a fan of nice jewelry, now, right now, is your chance to win a $100 gift card courtesy of the Woodbridge Jewelry Exchange in Woodbridge, New Jersey. All you have to do is be the seventh caller right now at... 1-800-848-9222 and a gift card is yours. If you're the lucky winner, you can come pick up the gift card and get your holiday shopping done with me at the Woodbridge Jewelry Exchange in Woodbridge on Thursday. I'll be there with Sid Rosenberg along with Ernie Anastas on December 14th from 6 p.m. until 8 p.m. Again, be the seventh caller right now at 800-848-WABC and a $100 gift card is all yours. Good luck and I hope to see a bunch of you on Thursday. Beam me up! To be. Continue.